Welcome, one and all, to another stale from the crypt. Destructive force unleashed on this town such as I have never seen. Oh my god, I don't believe this is not happening! We have got a poltergeist! Okay, well, folks, I can do a clearance, but uh, it's not gonna be cheap. Although I do offer a six-month guarantee. Welcome everybody to Pop Culture. I am Scott. I'm Jason. And I'm Monica. And this episode we are doing a cult classic and this is uh monica's pick cult classic we have peter jackson's the frighteners 1996 starring starring i was gonna say mike mcfly but i forgot the name (laughs) michael j michael j fox (laughs) no no no. i was gonna try and be cheeky and be like starring mike mcfly yeah, okay. <laughs> but I couldn't remember the name Marty McFly. <laughs> <laughs> I had a fucking lapse halfway through that. Anyway, starring Michael J. Fox um, and a whole bunch of other people. I Including can't Trini. I can't pronounce Trini. I like that. Oh, no, a whole I'm lot sorry. of other people. A whole lot of other people, including cult darling Jeffrey Combs. <laughs> <laughs> Jeffrey Combs, Ali Ermi, Jake Busey, D. Wallace Stone, John Aston, the amazing John Aston. But I can't pronounce Trini Avocado. So <laughs> <laughs> she did good. <laughs> Al- she's amazing. Trini Alvarado. 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 I'm going to go with avocado. Let's go. Um, A, I guess, postmodern ghost story, sort of? Yeah. Kind of? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I need you to extend that. You need to go into that? Well, I think it's like, it's like ghosts are, you know, spookily dookily and scary, but this is about a guy who like works with them for a living. But in a way that is quite fun and uses them and the ghosts, uh, you know, in this kind of fun way. Mm. It's definitely a little outside the box of your regular kind of haunted house type fare that you would be expecting for a ghost movie. It's certainly a twist on the genre. That's uh, uh, postmodernism, I think, is sort of slightly different. But um, you're reading far too much into my use of the term. (laughs) Yeah, I am. I'm sorry. Well, you used it. But um, yeah, it's it's certainly a twist on that genre. That's for sure. It's uh, sort of turned around the placement of characters back to the ghosts, a, a bit Casperish. I'd have to say mm-hmm. there, there is a reference yeah. to that idea of you know Casper the friendly ghost and all of that is already in existence at this point. But it takes it into that more modern fantasy realm that you know Peter Jackson and Peter Jackson. gives us. Yes, so. 
Yeah. Yeah, I get what you mean. Yeah. I think it's a really fun kind of um, supernatural con man story, and it has an interesting commentary about like the bureaucracy of death, um, which appeals <laughs> to me. <laughs> so that's where I get my enjoyment out of it. I just have lots of fond memories. So, like, I uh, this came out in '96. I probably would have seen it when I, I bet when I was about seven, because mm-hmm. I remember being on like Foxtel or Optus or whatever we had at the time. And I remember just being like blown away by it. Like it, 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 this might have been my first real taste of kind of horror, even though you know it's pretty tame by horror standards. But this was certainly, I think, my first real like horror movie. It's sort of, I guess, um, an introductory guide to ghost stories. Um, it's lifted from the TV series, you know, Tales from the Crypt, which has this childlike approach to telling kids. Yeah, it's pretty horror. <laughs> Very Treehouse of Horror kind of fun. But goosebumps. Yeah, it's goosebumps, exactly. It's, um, but as an adult, I still find a lot of enjoyment with this movie. You know, you sort of see the human element as you get older, especially with a character like Frank, who's just so interesting and just sort of like has this full you know, turn around from con man to hero. And he's so extremely likable. He is so fantastic. And I think it's Michael J. Fox's gift to all of us is his likability. He's just so effortlessly charming. In he can run world. over garden gnomes and make me sympathise with him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. You know, and when he's sort of like, when you're introduced to him, you know, busting his first ghost, as it were, you know, um, he sort of turns it around to sort of be like, so we'll forget the fence if I can get rid of your problem that I've completely created for you, yeah. right? And you're just like, yeah, do it, Frank. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting for me because you were mentioning you saw it as a kid and it's probably your first Peter Jackson film. Oh, uh, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> I don't I know. Certainly, I certainly didn't discover... Um, I didn't even know who Peter Jackson was until I yeah. saw, like, Lord of the Rings when I was, like, 11. So yeah. I was like... So, oh, yeah, I, I don't know... It's amazing. ...the timeline of that. But, um, yeah, he's... For me, it was actually a weird downstep from what I'd experienced with Peter Jackson. So... It like, would have been a massive to, change. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I'd seen all of his stuff beforehand you know whether it's bad taste brain dead meet the feebles were you um, like he's sold it he's sanitized <laughs> no no I, I i could see his elements in it and i went okay so this is his first commercial venture you know as in it's a mm-hmm. hollywood machine type film and he, he subverts it enough to sort of put his stamp on it but i sort of felt I wasn't seeing a Peter Jackson film as much as a Zemeckis film at the same time. And it, it just sort of felt to me, I'm seeing two different elements running at the same time. There's Peter Jackson's great ability to do, uh, I'd say cinematic gymnastics, and it's almost literal in the special effects in terms of how things uh, spun around on you very quickly. Um, but then you've got that sort of production appearance of Zemeckis. Yeah. And, yeah, and so it it sort of had that weird feeling for me because I was such a Peter Jackson fan, up, you know, and, and watching that film, I was there going, "It's not all him. It, it, it's not. Yeah. It doesn't have the full reins of that." And it's not until you get Lord of the Rings that you see what he does commercially with full control. Yeah. And, um, 
yeah so it it i i really love it i still enjoy it um but it's got just some of these sort of quirks in it that i think makes it a little unsatisfying for me because the ghosts are a little bit too sort of goofy not not that interesting <laughs> ultimately. slapstick yeah yeah and the... getting sucked into radiators and stuff <laughs> Yeah, but it's not done in the same way as he would do with the horror stuff that I'd seen before. Yeah. Okay, so when you look at that slapstick, that's just way over the top. So for watching from going from brain dead to this, you sort of go, oh, yeah, and it is. It feels sanitized. It is. It's not a baby yeah. in a blender, that's for sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it sort of, I guess that's probably my problem going in with an expectation after watching it since and that I sort of just enjoy it for what it is. And Michael J. Fox is certainly the thing that grounds the whole film so well because of his character. I mean, it's just like, he's not being Marty McFly or anything, but it just shows that Michael J. Fox has this affable personality that is so easy to empathize with everything that's going on with him. And um, it's, uh, amazing what he does and it's sort of sad because it was that's the point where he started realizing yeah. Parkinson's so um yeah it's sort of like his last really big push yeah before, television before going into tv yeah. yeah so um yeah I enjoyed it I think the special effects are sort of just bit too much digital which means it dated because of that but yeah the the, the soul collector doesn't look quite as good as I remember it looking <laughs> No, but I remember being impressed at the time. And I have to yeah. say that, you know, when it came out, that looked pretty good. And, you know, it's probably the same thing I said about The Mummy. It's just one of those things that it dates it when you rely too much on digital. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, some of those sequences are just crazy. <laughs> just oh. in what's going on. And like, when you get idea. towards the end, you get kind of full yeah. Jackson. <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, even um, that sort of use of fisheye lenses in certain points and that to, yeah. you know, make characters look a little bit warped and close up to them and things. It's like classic uh, horror style, I guess, but it just really lifts the film. Um, and let's talk about the the, the, the cult aspect of so D. Wallace and Jeffrey Combs in a film. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Do you, do you, this, is the, this is weird, right? So this is the first time I remember, well, it was the first time I would have seen Dee Wallace in the film and then, like, for years this was kind of my reference point and, like, she's not great in everything else that she does. She's done a lot of bad movies. But she's but good in this, this one. In this, she's freaking amazing and horrifying in so many ways. Yeah. She and, does um, crazy good. Yeah. <laughs> so um, good. And Jeffrey Combs is just, he's a cult icon for a reason. He can make the strangest characters <laughs> come to life. He's just nuts in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> but it seems, you know, completely... Milton Devils. Yeah, it doesn't feel out of place at all having a character like that in this movie. You know, you need someone as ridiculous as the agent that he plays to go up against Michael J. Fox's Frank Bannister, just complete polar opposites of one another. <laughs> and that interrogation scene is amazing. Oh, it's, hyster it's hysterical. I um, But like, but, but so unsettled. <laughs> oh, he's, yeah, clearly unhinged. <laughs> 
I was, um, yeah, I, I rewatched the film quite recently just to jog my memory and it really got me thinking about how this film sort of has created a legacy for other films of this genre and even television series. Like when I was watching this, I couldn't help but compare it to um, a television show that I really like called Pushing Daisies, which is a Brian Fuller production, which has similar themes about the bureaucracy of death. You have a character who is able to touch people and bring them back to life and he works with a private investigator and they solve um, different murder cases and everything. And funnily enough, one of the actors, Chief McBride, who plays the gangster Cyrus, is the private investigator in Pushing Daisies. And it sort of created that full circle moment for me. And it's <laughs> plays with that sort of twee but morbid fascination with death. And um, I'm really happy that something like The Frighteners has allowed that kind of genre to sort of blossom in its own way. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> um, I don't even know what else to. I mean, Jake Busey. We could talk about Jake Busey. Oh, <laughs> Jake Busey. <laughs> uh, he was he was actually perfectly cast. You know, he's only competing with himself to have the highest of body counts. <laughs> he's just like, no, it doesn't matter if I'm dead. I'm going to keep going. <laughs> Oh, but he does it really well too. That those moments mm. where he's panicking, yes, about that he's about to die. Like there's that moment where he has to panic because mm. it's been turned on him, and uh, it, it's authentic. It's really well done how he acts in it. I mean, he's I don't know. I think uh, it, the Buseys are always a bit weird, just <laughs> in nature. Yeah. Doesn't what matter do you which mean? one. <laughs> No, I get what about. I don't know. There's just something. There's always an odd streak to them, isn't there? But uh, he. It might be genetic. It might be, uh, but he he still brings that sort of humanity to it. That moment that he's it's turned on him, and uh, I sort of forgot how much it twists that at that moment. And obviously, the tension is pulled away because. Uh, Michael J. Fox's characters brought back to life right at that wrong moment. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was um, doing some research um, for this movie as well, and a lot of the criticisms um, that this movie had um, was that it mishandles the tone. But I, I feel I have to disagree with that criticism. Um, I feel it's sort of meant to push and pull because it's such a ridiculous kind of story, um, especially the more morbid bits. Like, to me, it works really effectively. It's just a movie that's really eager to entertain people yeah, i don't think it i don't it think it's really matter. Matter. <laughs> i get i get like it goes from like light silly kind of stuff with the ghosts and you know you've got john mm. aston as like judge having sex with the mummy and stuff and that's pretty yes. silly <laughs> <laughs> yeah and then you go through to like the really horrific shit with d wallace like murdering her mother and, and yeah. like it gets really and i but but it just feels like you're kind of on a roller coaster like yeah exactly. there, are be, there are gonna be ups and downs and scares and fun and and it sort of is that unbridled kind of weirdness that Jackson has and I know it certainly doesn't go as far as things like brain dead or bad taste or meet the feebles <laughs> but you know it, it, it's it's still him and it's still got that stuff that is sort of unique to his warped vision of the world yeah absolutely and um what else I also um didn't realize it was Danny Elfman who scored the film too which looking back makes complete sense yeah <laughs> <laughs> Only Danny Elfman could score 
something like this <laughs> and do it so effectively. Without he was sitting in his office being like, you're not Tim Burton. Yeah, exactly. Who, who are you? <laughs> yeah, I'll do it. <laughs> I'm available. Hmm. Um, yeah, it's, it's just one of those movies that is so much fun. Mm. And I had yeah. so much fun with and such fond memories of watching it quite a lot growing up. And like I said, it was, I guess this was the start of my horror obsession. Mm. Oh, okay. I, for that, for me, it's that. Like, I don't remember many horror films prior to The Frighteners. And I was probably too young, but I guess the sort of silliness of it made it kind of harmless. Well, it's, it's, yeah. it's, it certainly sits in the horror comedy. Yeah. Like if you want oh, yeah, hundred percent. It's it's not horror on its own, and it's a horror comedy. We've we've got lots of horror comedies out there, but mm. it's uh, one that firmly sits in that area. And it puts its feet in both areas. Mm. It's really good as well being a horror comedy for someone for someone like me who doesn't really always gravitate towards horror. So it makes it more palatable, I guess, in a way. <laughs> Should have watched The Void, Monica. Oh, I'll get to it. <laughs> <laughs> I heard what you said about the void. <laughs> Not a laugh was had. Oh, goodness. <laughs> All right. The Frighteners. It is, uh, yeah, you could do a lot worse than mm. uh, than this cult classic, that's for sure. Mm. Thank you guys for listening to this episode of Popped Culture. I've been Scott. I'm still Jason. And I'm still Monica. Boom. Boom. Culture is produced by and recorded by Jason Eddy, Monica Porto, and Scott Souter. The clip for this week's show was the trailer for The Frighteners, and the song at the end was Don't Fear the Reaper, covered by the Mutton Birds. If you're enjoying the show, please I invite you to jump on our Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. It helps us expand the show and reach new listeners. If you'd like to find us on social media, we're available at Facebook at facebook.com forward slash popculturepod, on Twitter at popcultureau, and we are also available on Instagram. Mm-hmm.